Titus, the book of Titus. The easiest way to find Titus is if you'll go to 1st and 2nd Timothy. It's right after 1st and 2nd Timothy. Well, I guess you could say it's after 2nd Timothy because 2nd Timothy is after 1st Timothy. You know what I mean, though. It's uh, after those two collections. While you're, while you're finding your way there, and, and there's no shame if you need to look it up in table of contents, look it up to get there to find a page number. If you've got a Bible like mine, it is uh, page 1184. Otherwise, I can't help you too much find it, but you can uh, find it there real quick. And while you're finding it, as you saw that video about the North American Mission Board, there are brochures on the tables uh, as you leave here today, please pick up one of those brochures, and it's, a, it's your prayer guide for the week to be reminded of who to pray for specifically all week long, and the encouragement for you to give there as well. As we come into this time of year of what's called an Advent season, we, we are thinking about uh, that word, Advent, and and really what it means from a Latin word, it means the arrival. And, and Advent kind of, it, it looks back, it, it looks back at the celebration of when Jesus first arrived as the babe in the manger and how he grew up to become our Savior. But it also looks forward, it looks forward to his return, to a, a second Advent, if you will, a, a second arrival that has yet to take place. And just as followers of God anticipated the arrival of Jesus at his birth, so do followers of Jesus today anticipate the arrival of Jesus at his return. In both arrivals, when he came the first time and when he will come again, there are certain elements or themes that we grab a hold of, and one of those is hope. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning our blessed hope. And, and to understand that from this perspective today, I want us to look at Titus, Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and present, or in godly lives in the present age. Look at verse 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Man, that, that uh, passage, this, this passage is a, a great Christmas text, even though it doesn't say anything about the manger. It doesn't say anything about Mary and Joseph. It doesn't say anything uh, about the, the night of Jesus' birth. It, it doesn't say anything about the shepherds, the wise men, and their, and their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It, it doesn't say anything about Herod's threat and the flight to Egypt. It doesn't say anything about those things, but it captures in one sentence, the Apostle Paul captures the essence of Christmas when he says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation 
salvation to all people. That is the message of Christmas in a world that is darkened because of sin. God sent the light of his love through his son, through a baby who was born in a manger, a baby who was born in a feeding trough for animals, but a baby who would become our Savior and give us hope. It is from that situation and those circumstances that we have our blessed hope. So this morning, very briefly, I want to mention to you three aspects of this hope that we have. As followers of Jesus, three things to help us understand hope a little bit better. And the first thing is this. Let's think about the definition of hope. Okay, the definition of hope, because what I, I, I want you to realize this morning is that hope is a very misunderstood word. We use the word hope in terms of uncertainty, like some of you have already thought, I hope the preacher doesn't go as long as he usually goes since we had that video. And don't even act like you haven't. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> and you ought to know me. And it ain't going to bother me. <laughs> See, there's some uncertainty with that thought. Will he or will he not? So our concept of hope, it carries with it some element, some measure of uncertainty as of something that may or may not happen. The way that we use the word hope in our culture is so different from the way the Bible uses the word hope. In fact, the way we define hope in our English language and, and context is completely different from when you see the word hope used in Scripture. For example, in verse 13, where Paul talks about our blessed hope. That word hope means the expectation of something that is certain. Okay? Biblical hope is not, well, it may happen or it may not happen. When you have biblical hope, you have an expectation of something that is certainly for sure going to happen. There's no may or may not about it. Our blessed hope is not based on something that might happen or might not happen. Our blessed hope that this season brings us in every season of life it is a certainty that we can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that what God has said he will do. That is our hope. What God has said he will do. What God has said he absolutely will do. It is an expectation that what God has said, God will do. And when we embrace biblical hope, we have that expectation. Now, the reason that we can have this kind of hope, the reason that we can latch on to this biblical definition of hope is because of its source. You see, that is what trips us up in our Western mind culture uh, trying to understand hope. It's because we hope 
politicians will do certain things. We, we, we hope that certain people will do certain things. And when we hope that, we're just kind of like thinking, well, depending on who it is, it may or may not happen. But the, when the source of our hope is Jesus, when the source of our hope is God, who cannot lie and has never lied and cannot tell a lie, when the source of our hope, because Jesus is the source of that hope, it changes everything about the blessed hope that we have in Him. You see, the only place where you can find biblical hope is in a relationship with Jesus, not in yourself, not in those around you, not even even in the church, because there's a verse in Titus chapter 2, verse 15, talks about how there has to be some rebuking take place in the church, because us church folks, we get it wrong sometimes. Our hope can't be in ourselves. Our hope can't be in our culture. Our hope can't be in our church. Our hope must be in our Savior. My hope is built on nothing else except the blood of Jesus and his righteousness. This hope that we have means that we can expect that what Jesus said is certain and true from the promises he gives that minister to us in our present circumstance all the way to the promise he's given that he's going to appear again and right every wrong. When you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he brings hope with him. You don't have to wonder if it may or may not be true. If Jesus said he will never leave you, your hope, you can be confident he will never leave you. If Jesus said he will give you peace, you can be confident, have hope that he will give you peace. That's our definition of hope. Here's the second thing. <clears throat> the second thing we want to understand is the destination of hope. We've got the definition of hope, but what about the destination of hope? Where does hope take us to? What does hope point us? What destinations will we reach if we embrace hope? Paul answers that question when he writes to Titus. In fact, he answers it by saying a couple of things, a few things. Hope leads us to salvation in Jesus. In verse 11, Paul tells us that, that hope points to grace and, and grace points to salvation. In verse 14, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us. Hope gives us the confident expectation that the Lord will bring about salvation that he has promised. What Jesus has promised me about my salvation, he will bring it to pass. Hope points me and leads me to salvation in Jesus, but it also leads me to sanctification by Jesus. 
In verse 14, Paul tells Timothy, or Titus rather, that Jesus was sacrificed in order to purify for himself a people for his own possession. That process of purification is called sanctification. God makes us more like Jesus in how we think, in how we act, in how we interact with other people. Did you know that according to Romans 8, 29, one of the purposes of God saving you is not just to get you to heaven, but to get heaven into you? That one of the purposes of your salvation, according to Romans 8, 29, is that God can cause us to be conformed to the image of his son, to be more like Jesus in the world today. Now look, I want you to hear me this morning. You may not feel like it's happening. You may have some trouble seeing how it's happening. But I want you to know that according to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, if you have a relationship with Jesus today in hope, I want you to know that he who began a good work in you is going to complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. If you will surrender yourself to the authority of Jesus, if you will place yourself under the lordship of Jesus, you will have this hope that God makes you more like Jesus so that hope can then lead us to service for Jesus. In verse 14, Jesus gave himself so he could give salvation to people, quote, who are zealous for good works. When biblical hope grips our hearts, our response will be one of willing hands, ready to serve our Lord. Let me summarize it this way, this point, not the sermon. Don't get too excited. Summarize this point this way. Biblical hope is not just for our heads, like an abstract concept that we should think about. The destination of biblical hope is in our hearts where God transforms us by forgiving our sin and giving us salvation. The destination of hope involves our habits where where God transforms what we do and what we say so that we begin to think and act like Jesus would think and act. And the destination of hope that arrives in our hands as we joyfully serve this great God who is given us this great hope. That's the definition of hope and that's the destination of hope. But the third thing I want to bring to your attention is the declaration of hope. (coughs) The declaration of hope. Oh, if you've been taking a nap, you want to wake up right now. Because this is the heart of what Paul is telling Titus. The declaration of hope is in verse 13. It is very simple. It is very straightforward. The declaration of our hope is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The declaration of our hope, read it again, it is the 
appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are in a season in which we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. We celebrate Advent. We celebrate Jesus coming to this earth. And it's a wonderful celebration that those who were living before the birth of Jesus, they hoped to see that arrival. They hoped to see that Advent. My friends, I've got news for you. Jesus is not done with us yet. Jesus is not done adventing yet. Jesus is not done ready to to go somewhere yet. Now he is seated at the right hand of his Father, having come to this earth once, but he is ready at the Father's command to fulfill this declaration of hope and to come back to this earth and to come back to this earth to redeem his people fully and finally and completely. And it is going to be completely different than the first time. I don't don't know a lot about the second coming of Jesus. I don't know when it happens, when it's going to happen. Neither do you. And if you think you do, stop taking medicine because you're wrong. You don't. No one knows the time or the hour. I'm, I'm more of a, of a pan-millennialist. I think whatever happens, it's all going to pan out in the end. <laughs> I don't know a lot <coughs> of the details, and we don't know when, but hope declares that Jesus will appear again. He arrived the first time to die but he'll arrive the second time to reign. When he came the first time, he came for the purpose of wearing a crown of thorns to suffer. But when he returns the second time, he will be wearing a crown of authority as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In his first advent, there was a star that marked his arrival. At his second advent, heaven is going to roll up like a scroll. The stars are going to fall from the sky and he himself will illuminate the sky in all of his glory. When Christ came the first time, the government was in the hands of people, of men. But when Christ comes the second time, the government will be upon his shoulders. The first time he came, he came as a savior. But when he returns, he will return as a judge. The first time he came, there was no room for him in that end. But my friend, the next time he comes, the whole world will not be able to contain his glory. The first time he came to us as a baby born in an obscure village and only a very few people knew what was taking place. But when he arrives again, the angels are going to shout and the trumpets are going to blow and every eye is going to see him and every knee is going to bow down before him and every tongue is going to confess that he is Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the blessed hope we have. That's the blessed hope that we celebrate. And you can be just as certain that his second coming and appearance will happen just as you are certain that his first arrival happened. 
But I want to wrap things up by speaking to two groups of people in this room. And you are in one of these two groups. Some of you in this room today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And God brought you here. You may not know why God brought you here, but I know why God brought you here. God brought you here today to give you an opportunity to leave this place in a relationship with Jesus. But see, you cannot have this kind of hope outside a relationship with Jesus. And if you, listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, instead of being encouraged by his soon return, you need to be terrified. You need to be terrified of his soon return return. Christmas, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, Christmas should scare you. Because Christmas is about God keeping a promise to send his son to be a savior. And he kept that promise. And that means that God's going to keep his promise to send his son back to this world as a judge. If that's you, if you're in that group, this idea of Advent It's a burden, (laughs) but it can be a blessing. You see, it can be a blessing to you today. In fact, you can walk out of here with that blessing because Jesus invites anyone who will to call out to him for salvation. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being baptized. It's not about reading a chapter a day to keep the devil away. It's it's not about any of that. It's about your relationship with Jesus. And the way you receive this blessed hope, notice it's not your blessed hope to achieve. It's your blessed hope to receive. He said in verse 13 that we're waiting for our blessed hope We possess it even though we did not create it. You can possess it today. How does a person possess that blessed hope? I'm glad you asked because here's how. You talk to God. We call that prayer when you talk to God. And when you speak with God, you admit to God that you're a sinner. You agree with God on what he has said about you in his word. That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you confess to God that you believe that Jesus lived a perfect life, died on a cross for your sins, was buried, but God raised him from the dead to never die again. You accept the gift of salvation that Jesus offers you today. Oh, we're in this time of gifts. Here's the thing about a gift. It can be the nicest gift you can find. It can be wrapped in the finest paper you can provide. It can be taped meticulously like a professional would do it. But if you don't open a gift, it is absolutely useless to your life. Jesus offers to you today the gift of a relationship with him. By grace, through faith, 
calling out to him as best you know how, confessing your sins, repenting, turning from those sins, making him the authority, the boss of your life. When that takes place, you have a relationship with God. And in that relationship, he brings blessed hope. And there's another group in this sanctuary today. It's a group of people who have that blessed hope, who already possess it. Some of you have possessed it for a week. Some of you possess it for a month. Some of you have possessed it for a year. Some of you have had the possession of this blessed hope. You've received it decades and decades ago. The promised return means that our trials are temporary because of that blessed hope. The blessed hope means that after one second in the presence of Jesus, the pain of all the trials of this life are forever removed from our emotions and our memory. His return means that he's going to right every wrong, bring justice to those who have suffered injustice and reverse the curse of sin in every way imaginable. But you second group folks, those of us in the second group, we have a duty to this hope. I want to remind you the words of Peter. As he speaks it in 1 Peter 3.15, he tells those of us who have this blessed hope to keep the Lord Christ holy in your hearts. Always be ready to answer everyone who asks you to explain about the hope that you have. If you've got this blessed hope, your duty is to talk about it. Because I guarantee you over the last several days, y'all have talked about tons of stuff. We've talked about sports, we've talked about records, we've talked about strength of schedules, we've talked about this, about that. we've talked about everything that is fun and, and fitting, and hey, that's great. But in eternity, it may be hard for some of y'all to believe, but on the authority of Scripture, there are no national championships in eternity <laughs> because there's only one champion who's at the center of our focus. And so, those of us who have this hope, let's make sure that we share with others the blessed hope that we have. Would you bow your head right where you are? In just a second, we're going to stand and sing. This is what we call our time of commitment. Maybe you're in that first group we talked about, and you've got questions about what it means to be saved, to make Jesus your Lord and, and Savior. If you would like, you can come down to this altar today, and, and we can get you with someone. I can point you to someone right now today who'll be glad to go off in a, in, in a quiet place and and share with you what it means to follow Jesus and, and present you with that opportunity. Maybe as, as we move through this, this service today, maybe the Holy Spirit awakened your soul and, and you have already made that decision. And even as we went through this sermon, <coughs> you made the decision to make Jesus your Lord. The Bible tells us that the heavens rejoice when a person makes that decision. And if you made that decision today, would you just share that with us? Because it's just not fair that the angels can rejoice about it and we can't. And we'd love to rejoice with you over that decision. Or maybe you're in the second group and you've had this hope for years. Maybe you realize it's time you start living 
like you have this hope. Now, you want to make a fresh commitment today to share with others the great hope that Jesus has given you. I don't know what God's calling you to do today, but I would simply ask you to say yes to whatever he's placing upon your heart and in your mind. Father God, as we think about your greatness and your goodness to us, we're thankful for the blessed hope that we have. The hope that leads us to our salvation and births in us our sanctification and is able to use us as your hands and feet in our service. But Father, I pray that we would not keep that hope to ourselves, but that we would share it with others. And I pray today if there's someone in this room that doesn't have that hope, I pray your Holy Spirit has burdened them. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would make them so uncomfortable that they won't be able to eat, sleep, and rest until they deal with you. Because I would rather have someone go through a night of restlessness and find salvation than I would them just to push this off and face eternity without you. Have your will on your way in my life and the life of every person here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.